0: This is Canada Reads American Style, featuring two friends who love Canada Reads and Canadian literature. Welcome our host, Rebecca from Michigan and Tara from Ontario.
1: Hi everyone, it's Rebecca and Tara. And today we have a reader repartee with our good friend from Bookstagram and Canada Reads, our competition that we host. Well, we don't host a lot. Of- <laughs> CBC does. I'm telling you, it's going to be crazy today. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Well, we talk about Canada Reads. Anyway, our friend Sarah from Nova Scotia. Hi, Sarah. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Welcome, Sarah. <laughs> I, I have to admit, I'm not changing that opening, man. We got, we got to keep it just like it is. That's too funny. Okay. Anyway. Oh, no,
2: no. I I, I agree.
1: <laughs> you're going for Ali's job is what you're doing. That You know what? That's it yeah, yeah. There, there you go. <laughs> I want to be the host of Canada Reads, yeah, okay, <laughs> anyway, welcome to Sarah. We're going to do our reader repartee, and as usual, we will have Tara start with our
0: questions.
2: okay, Sarah. I love hearing the answer to this question, so this is a great one to start with. How did you become a reader?
0: I found this question really difficult because you know, I kind of had an evolution of thought here because originally I was thinking you know i've I've always been a reader, I don't. I don't have a discreet memory of becoming one. But the more I kind of pondered, you know, my childhood and the influences on me, it became much clearer. And I I think it's going to be similar to a lot of other people. I imagine my parents were always very big readers, my dad especially, but my mom too, just very different. So my dad. Uh, was a lover of the classics. He His favorite author by no close margin was Charles Dickens. And he, you know, he's considered himself kind of a scholar of his works and has read everything he's written and um, a lot of literary criticism and, and biography and whatnot. So he he's well-versed in Charles Dickens, but also he loved true crime and just a really great story. So my my parents were always reading my mom my mom more likes to read a cozy short story like a nice Christmas memory kind of short story or like a um, growing up she had a healthy collection of harlequin romances always lying around the house and I have some (laughs) I have some very core memories of being too young and you know spending too much time in the bathroom and picking one up from the from the magazine rack while I was having probably a long sit. But um so I've I read some things and, and yeah. Anyway, so she she was a lover of the Harlequins and that's kind of evolved over the years. She now still loves a romance, but it's more of a, a contemporary good story romance, um, like a feel good. And so I had a lot of influence and around me and no books were ever off limits, so, and my parents were like this about just about everything. And I, I was always allowed to read anything that was in the house. And it's the same philosophy I take with my kids. Like that, any books we have around, nothing's hidden away. Nothing is just about. Nothing is unavailable. But you know, they're, they could, they're welcome to pick anything up. We've got you know history and science and some some critical thought and and just great literature, but also some, you know, just more fun stuff. And and that's all available to them. And that's the way I grew up. And we also had a really good culture of visiting the library, so that's uh, and and you know, I ended up uh, just more recently changing careers, and that's been turned out to be the absolute love of my life as being a librarian. and but you know, some of my earliest memories of are of going to story time at the library. and i I must have gone so frequently because the librarians knew my name, and you know, I just I just have such when I think about when I picture, the children's section of my childhood library, I just get this really, you know, this warm feeling. And so I I, I know I was there a lot. And, and sometimes my memories are pretty fuzzy of childhood. But I you know, I know I was there a lot. And I, I would come home with just mountains of books. And just like many people, I plop myself on the couch. And that would be my the rest of my day is just pouring through everything I could possibly read. So I didn't really have an option to not become a reader. It's just, it's been something I was fully immersed in since I was born, I guess.
1: You know, and I think that's what's really important. This message is always about if you want to have a reader in your, in your family, you have to model that for them. So that's really, really important. And that just shows that you had that in your home.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of readers are, or potential readers are almost ruined when they're forced into it instead of it being a choice. So I, I've heard a lot of um, stories over time of adult coming from adults and saying, "Like okay, as a child, you know, they were forced to read this or that or to do book reports in school, but it was never, it was never a choice or never done out of just a want to sit and read something. And I think that's also something that's really important. Like you, you'll want your kids to read, but don't force it because like anything, once you're, once it's something that's you're forced to do, it's work, it's not fun and uh, you don't want reading to just be schoolwork and and uh, that kind of forced experience. So leave things lying around if, if you know that your children or family members, if, you, if you're if you hoping that your spouse will become a reader or whatnot, just leave things around to take things out and offer up lots of options and, and you know, something, something will stick. Yeah,
1: I agree. I think that's actually a really good point. So thank you for making that because I think that's, yeah, that's... Really important. Yeah, I love the idea of just leaving things, you know, captivating things kind of lying around. I like that. Our second question is What book do you wish you could read again for the first time and experience that feeling you had the first time?
0: (laughs) So, this question, wow, I had so many books pouring through (laughs) my brain (laughs) over this like childhood favorites, more recent, just incredible reads. But I landed on a strange one. And I'll tell you a bit about why first, and uh, maybe you can try and guess, or if not, I'll just, I'll just disclose it. But So this is not a book. It's a short story, which is probably going to give it away very quickly. But this is a controversial one. Um, I read it in school, but I don't love it. It's really disturbing and awful, but it made me fall absolutely head over heels in love with several things. First thing it made me fall in love with is a dystopian read. I love a almost social horror, you know, societal unrest. Everything from like The Hunger Games to The Handmaid's Tale, the whole full spectrum. I, I just, I love it. You never know what to expect, but in some ways you do know what to expect because you, you know, there's there's um, a pattern to the degradation of society. and And I loved that. I don't know what that says about me, but I just eat those books (laughs) right up. The other thing that I I really fell in love with, and this is what I wish I could experience again, was the it was the first time I ever really experienced a twist ending. And that for me was an absolute game changer. So you think you know what's happening. Everything's just lovely and, and almost utopic. And then it all comes crashing down and the gut wrenching that that does to you it's almost like a roller coaster like you're in it for that wild thrill that you just don't really know <laughs> you can't quite appreciate yeah. what's going to happen and then it does and it just it I guess it's kind of like for me I'm not <laughs> I'm no sporty spice but this would be my <laughs> adrenaline rock <laughs> and for me so the book I don't know if you want to try and guess what it is can I guess yes I please guess. Do. do you
2: have a guess Rebecca
1: I'll let you go first, Tara, because I I really don't have a guess. I mean, I can't even think of it. So, yeah, go ahead.
2: I have a guess. I'm going with The Lottery by Shirley Jackson. You got it. It's The Lottery by Shirley Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because I had the kind of the same. I remember reading that book in school. The same thing. Yeah. Stuck with me for years. My whole life, actually.
0: I think it sticks with everyone. It is, And you read it so early when you read it in school. And it is a it's a yeah. horror that you experience that's like no other that you've experienced up to that point. Mm-hmm. And I think I've been chasing that high ever since. <laughs> and yep. Um, yep. yeah. And it's just I, I it packed a punch that I don't know I've experienced since. And I've read it again. I actually read this year. Um there's a graphic novel version. Um I'm on a big mm. graphic novel kick. I'll read anything if it's in a graphic novel. And there's a graphic novel version of the lottery and it's scary because it's one thing to read this, to read the short story, but then have a visual attached to it is actually pretty horrifying. Yeah, And it didn't quite, it's funny because I, this is why I say I wish I could read it again for the first time because when I reread it, it's not the same. It doesn't, doesn't bring the same thing because you know what's happening Yeah, and you can't ever, you can't ever go back and do it again for the first time and experience it the same way. So, like with other books, you probably can go back and appreciate the, the beauty of the writing and the, the rich storytelling and whatever. But this one, you can't do it. And that's why I picked it. I have
1: to say, I'm much older. And so I read it way longer ago. And I actually probably could read it and <laughs> experience <laughs> that again. Because, no, seriously, because I mean, I kind of know what it's about. But it's been so long ago, I don't really remember the details. So I am going to pick it yeah. up and read it because I think... And, and I hate to say this, I could have been so young, I didn't understand it either. I mean, honestly, I have to go back and really look at it. I'll let you know how it goes. I'm
2: really excited for you, <laughs> too. I hope you have like that first reading of it. That will be amazing. Yeah. That was a great answer. It was. Thank you. Thank you for the first Spice Girl mention of the podcast, I think, oh. at least since I've joined. So that's pretty awesome. <laughs> okay, question three. Which author, living or dead, would you like to meet in person and why? So there's
0: so many, but for several reasons, I picked J.R.R. Tolkien. J.R.R. Tolkien. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's a bit of a tongue twister for me. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. So my husband and I are super fans of the movies. I've read the book. I'm even doing a series of walking challenges based on Lord of the Rings where I'm walking my way to Mordor. So oh, cool. I'll do anything if it's in a challenge form. But (laughs) so Tolkien, yeah. So uh, this year, one of my plans is to try and read as many of his works as I can or have space for this year. And it's, I think I'm finding it really exciting. And so, and I find the experience of reading Tolkien is like a masterclass in world building and immersion. So Mm -hmm. I cannot think of anyone who has accomplished what he has accomplished in the realm of world building. And influence so like so many things have stemmed from it maybe star wars you know there i'm sure there, there are some bigger fandoms out there but or, or similar fandoms but it's just the richness of detail I, I can't think of anything that comes close and there's things that didn't many things that didn't make it into the books and created whole languages that didn't even make it into the books and rich folklore histories and backstory and it's just it's incredible. And it was necessary. So even though they weren't included, the essence of all of that came through in the storytelling. And, and I don't know what I would ever say to him. So I guess to say I wanted to meet him is just, I just want to be there. I just, I would just love to be in his presence. Like I, I I would probably turn into, you know, just a bumbling person, because I wouldn't know (laughs) what to say to someone like that. And just such a genius and I believe he's Oxford educated and taught there and actually you know something I would like to talk to him about (laughs) is he was part of a kind of secret society I think he might have been one of the creators of it it was very small group of friends called the Tea Club Barovian Society and he and some other um, writer friends would get together and discuss literature and talk about the works that things that they're working on. And this is while they were in school. And, and it was very, very cool. And two of the members died in the war. And after that, it, you know, it kind of, it ended. And later he was part of another group called the Inklings with C.S. Lewis. And I think it would be so cool to just talk to him about that and how important those connections in that time was for developing his craft. And I know um I have some writer friends and something that they all seem to share is that they take part in writing groups, either in person or online or or whatnot. It just seems to be a really important part of that process is to have that support and also feedback and criticism and just to have that back and forth about, about craft. So I think that's something that I would really I'm not a writer by any means and I have no aspirations to be one. I think it'd be cool, but I have no talent for that. So I am still really interested in craft and the beauty of it. And I think anyone who's at the top of their game is someone that you should just want to um hold space with. So Tolkien right now is is top of my top of my list. Like Louisa May Alcott was also my first pick. But the more I thought about it, Tolkien took over.
1: We're gonna Twisted a little bit now because now we're going to ask you what fictional character would
0: you like to meet and why? This is the easiest question for me. I want to meet Mary Poppins. She (laughs) (laughs) She's my favorite. When I was small, my mom tells me that I had to watch the movie several times every day. And I, I didn't believe her thought she was really exaggerating until I became a parent myself and realized how true it is that kids want to watch the same thing over and over and over. So I I saw the movie first. And then as an adult, I started reading the books. And I, first of all, was really surprised by how different the characterization of Mary Poppins is in the books compared to the movie. And I find that really interesting. And that's something that I am always pretty fascinated by with any movie to book or book to movie. I guess it's almost always book to movie adaptation is I I love it when they actually change some characterization. So you're not really thinking, oh, they didn't, you know, they didn't adapt this scene. They didn't do this scene. So it's not great because they left things out. But I like when they change it enough that you're like, yeah, that's a new interpretation. So I can appreciate it in the same way. But I love Mary Poppins. She's so magical. And whenever she does anything, she's very strict. So the character in the book is not, I mean, she's strict in the movie too, but in the book, it's it's not as warm and fuzzy. So in the book, she's very cheeky. So she's, or in the movie, I'm sorry, she's cheeky. So she's strict, but she'll also look at the camera and wink. So you know, there's a cheeky, like, she's really lovely, but she knows what she's doing kind of thing. But in the book, she's much more rigid and not quite as, she doesn't quite have that cheerful, cheeky undertone like the movie does. And it's a Disney movie. So of course, you know, it's going to be uh, cranked up a bit. But you still know that whenever you're in her presence, something magical is going to happen. And I just love that. And I love in the uh, Mary Poppins Returns, I guess I'm talking more movies than books here, but it's the same character. So (laughs) but in the in the newer movie, I love that it's the the kids as adults. And so I guess this is where my adult appreciation is coming in. So as adults, the, the former children of the original movie, they still get to experience that same magical energy. And so I think as an adult, I would still love to meet Mary Poppins and jump into that sidewalk chalk painting. And so even though I want to read about dystopian worlds, I still want to go and, you know, um, ride the carousel horse, too. Yeah, that's the, I think there's got to be balance.
2: Yes. <laughs> OK, for
0: our last question, Sarah. What are you currently reading? Yesterday, I finished two books because I've been reading a lot of graphic novels. But as of today, I am reading Marmee by Sarah Miller, which is a it came out in uh, 2022. I think it was in the fall. And it's a little women retelling from the point of view of Marmee, the mother. And when I picked it up, I actually thought it was an origin story. I thought it was going to be about Marmee growing up in similar way to the book about uh, Marilla Cuthbert that came out recently that I really didn't like but so I was nervous but it's not. It's the storyline of little women told through her perspective and it's all written in her diary entries and it's fantastic. So I had low expectations but I still was hoping I was in for a good story. but I was so I was so pleasantly surprised because the writing is so similar to the original that you feel like you're reading the original story again it's wonderful I, I'm really enjoying it I'm only about halfway through so you know it, it might take a downturn I don't know but I'm learning a lot about her relationship with her husband who was kind of this distant character in in the original that we didn't kind of know much about we knew he was away at war and you know he the kids wrote letters to him and he wrote once in a while and and they would all gather around and read his letter, but we didn't really know much about him. And she goes into quite a bit of backstory about him. And we learn, you know, a little bit more of his complexities and, and it's really interesting. And he's kind of infuriating, but kind of wonderful too, just like anybody is. And do you remember, have you read Little Women? I did, I think years ago
2: though, and don't remember it well. Rebecca, what about you?
1: No, I have not read it and I am going to now read it because I thought Marmee was going to be the origin story and the fact that it's kind of like a retelling from her perspective. 100% I'm invested in both. And, you know, I had seen the movie when I was young and just fell in love with it. And I don't know why I just, it's like a lot of great classics I just hadn't read.
0: So do you remember then, because in the movie as well, there's a family that they go to take care of who ends up having scarlet fever, mm-hmm. and that turns into a pretty big plot point later. So that family features heavily in this book, and it's fantastic. So they're German, and Marmy goes and spends so much time with the mother of that family, and we learn a lot about them, and it's wonderful because they're not just this, <laughs> this kind of almost faceless family or character that you know set forward this other series of events that we won't spoil, but they feature heavily in this book. And I think that's really, really cool. So I think you should delve in and give it a shot. It's it's kind of long, <laughs> but it's really it's really good. And the other book I'm reading right now is I just started it today. And that's uh, Reverie by Jenna Butler. So we're recording this before Canada Reads shortlist, but the long list has come out and Reverie is on the list. And I got it from the library and it's very short. It's 120 pages. And I wasn't, planning to start it yet but we happen to be having a snow day today so (laughs) I thought uh 120 pages I might be able to do that today and uh I I didn't I'm only about 40 pages through because a snow day for me also means a snow day for my children but I did start reverie and it it's a now being only a short way through I can tell you that it is about beekeeping but not just about beekeeping it's kind of an allegory and I guess there's a lot of Tie-ins to the climate crisis and big agriculture, and kind of the benefits to small-scale agriculture, and just the impact that bees have, which you know I think most of us are aware of the impact that bees have on our overall ecological and personal health and nutrition. And it's uh, it's really really interesting. And I live rurally, so I know beekeepers, but I'm not I don't have a big interest in bees other than you know I just appreciate what they do. But uh, I'm learning a lot, and it's fascinating.
1: Sarah, thank you. Your answers really gave me pause. There were some just, I don't even know how to say it, but just some really intricate. <laughs> no, but I know I'm being really sincere, though. Don't laugh. I'm being sincere. But things I hadn't really thought about or the way that you worded it, I was like, wow. So now I feel really compelled to do my reader report over again. And sound a little bit more uh, intelligent, I think. But no, it was really beautiful answers. And so Tara, do you want to weigh in and and support me on that? (laughs) Oh,
2: yeah. No, I fully support what you're saying, Rebecca. I also really like that you gave um, a wide spectrum of genres to Sarah. Like often everyone gives different answers, which is what's lovely about these questions is that no two readers give the same answers. And I find also through the answers that people get, we also get little glimpses of their life and what's going on, uh, like the inner workings and stuff, which is really cool. But there's usually, you can see a pattern. You're just like dystopian, Mary Poppin, yeah. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like it's, it's very like, it's all over. It's awesome. <laughs>
0: Yeah. That's kind of how it feels inside of my head most of the time. It's a little bit of chaos. <laughs>
2: yeah, there we go. See the inner workings. It was, it was amazing. Thank you. I'll tell Sheila Rogers I'm ready for my Proust questionnaire. Oh my gosh, that would be, I would love for, to hear your answers for those. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today for Reader Repartee. You gave us a lot to think about. And again, everyone in the show notes will have the titles that Sarah mentioned here. But Sarah, thank you so much.
0: Oh, you're welcome. And thanks for giving me the opportunity. Yes. Thank you, Sarah.
2: Thank you for joining us on our bookish journey. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, reading, and reviewing Canada Reads American Style wherever you listen. You can connect with the podcast and Rebecca on Instagram at Canada Reads American Style and with Tara at On a Branch Reads. Until next time, keep reading.